You are on the line, live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you today on the Monday edition of the show. Got a lot of news to talk about today. Monday, March 14th, the bracket is officially out for the NCAA tournament. Conference tournaments have wrapped up. And again, there's a lot of news going on around the sporting world. So welcome in my other co-host, Noah Gardner. Welcome in, my friend. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. You doing all right? I'm doing really well. Well, like I said, we have a lot to talk about, so let's jump right into it. Let's stick with college basketball. We have some coaching changes that have been happening around the SEC. Of course, yesterday the news was released that Mike White was hired away from Florida to be the new head coach at Georgia. We had this discussion last week of who does Georgia go after for their new head basketball coach? We couldn't come up with anything. Uh, honestly, we could not come up with any name that really just fit. And this was out of left field, if you ask me. Well, looking at the list or the odds list that were put out last week by places like CBS Sportsline, you thought the most likely candidates were going to be somebody like a Jonas Hayes, an assistant coach at a place like Xavier that had Georgia ties but hadn't been a head coach yet, or a small conference coach like Dennis Gates at Cleveland State. He was one of the top half of the list guys on the odds list. Mike White was not on that list. Now, Frank Martin was on that list, and he is without a job now. He was let go of South Carolina's head coaching position today. There was also Ben Hallett of Mississippi State, and I thought those two were incredibly unlikely Mike White never even came to mind for this opening. Now, there has been questions about Mike White's job security in Gainesville. There's been questions about whether or not he would be asked to return. Maybe the seat got hot for him. Maybe missing the NCAA tournament this year, either they had had discussions that Mike White was going to be let go and that he should go and look for another opportunity such as one right down the road or right up the road I should say in Athens Georgia maybe he was ushered to take that position right which for Mike White this is a tough this is a tough job right the the diff, the degree of difficulty in Athens that has not changed whatsoever the degree of difficulty in rebuilding the Georgia Bulldogs men's basketball program has not changed that has not changed one bit and I think when you look at it, it's it's good for him that he gets to stay in the league, whereas he might have, if he had gotten fired at Florida in a place like Georgia, had already filled its position. He's probably not in a power conference. He's probably he's probably and if he is in a power conference, he's at a place like Georgia and they're in in another conference. So he gets to stay in the league, but the degree of difficulty of rebuilding the Georgia men's basketball program, everything that we talked about on Friday, None of that has changed. It is still an incredibly difficult position, and I still don't think, I don't know if I believe Mike White is the best fit for the Georgia Bulldogs. Well, here's my question, and I asked myself this when I saw the update over the weekend. I said to myself, 
well, what has Mike White done at Florida? Okay. He, he's been okay. He hasn't been great. He's been okay. He's been there for a little bit. But what is he going to be able to do at Georgia that he couldn't do at Florida? Florida's a, a better job than Georgia when it comes to basketball. Let's just be honest. And if he can't, if he wasn't able to completely get it done at Florida, what's going to make him be able to do it at Georgia? And we talked about it last week of how the Georgia job is one of the most difficult jobs due to the success of the SEC right now in college basketball and how bad Georgia is as a program right now. And I agree, man. I just don't know if Mike White is the answer. I don't know if he is the guy to bring Georgia back to relevancy with college basketball. I just don't I don't see how that is an exciting hire. I don't think it's an exciting hire. I don't maybe he was the only one they could get. I don't know, man. I really don't know what the situation was. I know it was kind of on edge between Mike White and Florida. I know there was some kind of some tension there between the two sides, but I'll be honest, this one this one really, really surprised me when I saw the notification of Mike White leaving Florida to take the Georgia head coaching job for basketball. Here's why I don't know if it's a great fit. Last two recruiting classes for Florida, not this year's, but the last two recruiting classes for Florida have placed outside the top 10 in the SEC. It was 11th last year outside of the top 50 nationally. He had three commits in that class. That'll tell you what type of commit he was getting. He was getting three stars. If you've got three commitments, you've got a chance to be a top 25 class. Volume is more, volume dictates ranking in college basketball recruits, in college basketball recruiting rankings for team classes more than it does in football. And we've seen it in football. If you've got 18 commits, even though they're all good, you may still not get into the top five, right? You need volume. Volume dictates it a little bit more in basketball, though, because there is a big difference between one recruit, even though he's a superstar or five star, right? versus another recruit uh, you know someone getting three guys that may be all four stars right like volume does matter a little bit in the way that they calculate these team rankings and you go back these last two recruiting classes been outside the top 40 he's been bringing in three-star recruits and and a handful you know maybe of a four-star here and there uh haven't gone back beyond 2020 you go to 2019 was the last time that he put together a solid class now scotty lewis trey man omar Payne, jason jitabo and Quez Glover that was a class that featured five guys that got him into the SEC's top two and he finished eighth nationally that's all the way back in 2019 and a lot of these guys didn't really do a whole lot at Florida right recruiting's the concern for me with Mike White I think that's the concern with a lot of people at Florida I think that's an issue with his success he also had four or five guys transfer out of the program this past year leading into this season we knew Florida was going to be a middle-of-the-pack team, potentially even into the bottom half after the talent that left the program. And it doesn't help them that Keontae Johnson's been hurt or, or has been dealing with his medical condition that has not been able to get him on the floor. That changes things a little bit. Imagine if their front court was Keontae Johnson and, uh, and Colin Castleton, right? I mean, that things look a little bit different for the Florida basketball program, I think. But the reality is this has been a program since he's been there that has seen mediocrity by Florida standards over the last four years, and that is directly linked to how he recruits. And I and I think we have seen with some, some struggles with development of those players as well. And to go on to your point again, if you can't, if he wasn't able to recruit at a high level at Florida, a place that has had 
historical success in college basketball nobody else in the sec has the success that the florida athletic department has no we talked about that last week and if you can't recruit at florida for basketball you're not going to be able to recruit at georgia for basketball let's just be honest i mean florida is a a very attractive place to want to go and go to school and be a part of an athletic program at the university of florida and georgia's just not like that i understand they have some successful athletics but but noah their basketball team just had the worst SEC record in the history of the league. And so how are you going to recruit guys and convince guys to come and play at Georgia when you couldn't even get them to go to a place like Florida that actually has success and actually has trophies in the trophy case when it comes to college basketball? I just don't see it. It's not going to happen. I don't see this lasting very long. One thing Mike White has going for him at Georgia, the expectations are pretty low. I mean, if we're just, you know, if we're just laying it out there, the expectations are pretty low for Georgia basketball. You don't have to be great. You don't even have to be good. You just got to win some games and be competitive and have some dudes on the floor that can run with some of these other guys because Georgia is not going to be able to out-recruit most of the teams in this league. Not now. Not with the state of the league as it is. Well, I'll say this about Mike White we've talked about some negatives with him let's talk about some positives with him I do think he is a good on-court coach and I don't think he's a horrible developer or anything like that I think he's a good teacher of the game and I think he knows how to get the most out of his guys I think he knows how to get the most effort I think he knows how to get the most out of them just look at down the stretch right he outcoached he coached his team to a win over Auburn right and he got his team to 500 in a very difficult SEC this year which looking at the fact that the hot seat has been placed on Ben Hallen Mike White and Frank Martin and we've seen two of those coaches now already change locations I think that's a little ridiculous coming out of this season where it's been an incredibly difficult SEC I do think he's going to be able to win with less which is going to help him in the early stages at Georgia, right? It's going to help maybe keep some of the pressure off of him early on that maybe he's going to be able to get a little bit more out of them early on than maybe the expectations dictate or the roster would indicate. But long-term success still comes down to can you bring in solid recruiting classes and Georgia is one of the toughest sells in college basketball right now. And I don't know if Mike White is going to I don't know if Mike White's going to be able to get him there. I agree. I just don't see it happening. I don't see this being a successful tenure for Mike White at Georgia, but you never know. I mean, and again, the expectations at Georgia are pretty low. He does not have to go in and win the SEC for him to be successful. So maybe he, maybe he can do it, but my biggest argument is if he couldn't do it at Florida, you're not going to be able to do it at Georgia, let's just be honest. But this was not the only coaching change that we've seen in the SEC in the past couple of days. It's been a busy it's been a busy weekend for SEC athletic departments and firing basketball coaches. Missouri's Cosmo Martin, he is now fired. He is out at Missouri. Your thoughts on that one, Noah? I have been critical of Conzo Martin several times through his tenure at Missouri. It's very cyclical when you look at Conzo Martin at his various locations. He's a guy that really, it takes three or four years for his rosters to develop out, right? And granted, he did lose a lot of talent. He lost his point guard, Xavier Pinson, off of that tournament team a year ago. And he's taken Missouri to two NCAA tournaments. There should be some respect there. And I do think he's a pretty good on-court coach. I definitely think he's one of the better defensive minds in our conference. That's been what has been attributed to these Missouri basketball teams since he's been here. But the reality is the offense fails him 
on a year in and year out basis there's one thing that you know is going to be a constant for Missouri basketball since Conzo Martin's been there and it's that they're not going to score more than 70 points a game and in this day and age in college basketball unless you're an absolute elite defensive team like a Virginia or a Texas and those teams require elite level talent and they recruit much better than Missouri you are not going to last very long averaging 67 points a game or 65 points a game I think was what Missouri was at this year in this day and age of college basketball defense is has its legs cut out from underneath it with the way that the game is not saying that defense isn't helpful just look at teams like Tennessee and Auburn and and, and the level of defense that they play but they also have elite level talent compared to the rest of college basketball compared to a team like Missouri you got to be better on the offensive end and simply put they're just not efficient enough and that's why you look at it it takes it takes basically three or four years for Conzo Martin to get an NCAA tournament team and and that's obviously not good enough when the years in between are losing records and their losing record was 12 and 21 this year and that's that's not good they had three or four SEC wins over the whole entire SEC conference schedule they had two games in the SEC tournament they scored 72 in the first one and 68 in the second one so there's your average of 70 points but no I mean and when it comes down to it like you said you got to be able to score the basketball that's how you win games I mean the 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 narrative of defense wins championships is old and and gone you okay you've got to be able to score the basketball and in the tournament and in the SEC, you've got to be able to average on a on you know a good year eighty points a a game to compete, especially now in the SEC that has such elite scores, such high level players. You've got to be able to score the basketball. Like you said, Missouri just couldn't ever do that. And you like to see a guy get his shot, and he did. But a twelve and twenty one year for Missouri only won the very first game of the SEC tournament I mean it's just it it wasn't good enough I I guess his time was done I don't know if it was going to get any better than what we have already seen here's the reality he's he's going to land somewhere he's going to land at a nice job he's going to land at another Missouri somewhere else because he's coached at Cal prior to this right he's going to land at a reputable location or semi-reputable location right but and, is he going to do anything different probably not he's going to do about what he's been doing he's, he's going to have a couple years that are nice and he's going to that are fine maybe around a 32 potentially could get to a sweet 16 type of year and then the years in between are going to be disappointing and at the end of the day you know let, that, things just aren't leveling out right now for for Conzomar. there's just not enough consistency there so I understand Missouri making the move probably more so than Mike White going to Georgia or South Carolina letting go of Frank Martin I understand that more than these other situations well let's talk about that other situation the third one I wanted to hit on the news that just broke right before we came on the air and Frank Martin has been fired after 10 seasons at South Carolina you shake your head you were not pleased with the news this is just downright ridiculous I can't get on board with this and granted we need to look at this in the lens of like what South Carolina basketball is and I know they may want to take South Carolina to be a regular NCAA tournament team and they got a taste of success when they went to a final four but guess who took them there and guess who I believe really firmly knows how to to win on a regular basis at South Carolina it's Frank Martin he's one of the best basketball coaches in South Carolina basketball history the odds of them landing a coach better and more experienced than a Frank Martin and maybe that's not what they're going for maybe they do bring a young guy in that ends up popping off here right but it's very difficult to win at South Carolina you're not going to recruit top tier talent so you need someone that can 
develop players and can get the most out of them as a good motivator can get the most out of them on a game-to-game basis is a good on-court coach and Frank Martin is just that and he's done nothing but win at South Carolina I mean he's had a couple of mediocre years and I know they haven't been back to the NCAA tournament since they went to the Final Four in 2017, but he's got a young core right now. They did some really positive things this year. It's been a little bit of a rebuild up to this point, and now they've got, you know, they won 18 games this year in a really difficult conference. They've got a young core. I would have liked to have seen them get another year with this incredibly young team that's got a lot of freshmen on it, and they were a tough out in a lot of games this year. I mean, this is once again a team that was the seventh seed in the SEC tournament. They finished seventh in the league, 9-9 nine and nine in this difficult conference. I would have liked to have seen him get another opportunity with this group to see what he could do because I really do think that next year South Carolina could have been a team that you were looking at as a 20-win team kind of under the radar. They're a tough out, man. They're a tough out. And I think Frank Martin, as far as his experience and his level of coaching, um, it, it's a shame that the longest-tenured coach other than John Calipari in this league just got downed and and that's the thing is he's been there 10 years and we talk about coaches needing three or four years whether it's football or basketball you got to give a guy some time and he's been there 10 years so he's had his he's had his time to do his thing but he took this team to a final four he took South Carolina men's basketball to a final four and yet you fire him just a few years later and I agree I think South Carolina's age on their team right now is extremely young they have a lot of talent and you saw the South Carolina team play. It took a lot to beat South Carolina this year. And I would have liked to have seen him get a shot again as well, Noah. But South Carolina didn't think so. He's been there 10 years. Yeah, he took him to a Final Four. But other than that, it hasn't really been a whole lot. And they decided it was time. So, But here's the question before we'll go to break and then we'll break down the big firing that happened over the weekend. But what – I mean, who do you go after at this point if you're firing all these coaches in the SEC, we had the discussion about Georgia, but if you are Georgia or Missouri or South Carolina, who do you go after now? Because I don't, we couldn't come up with one name for Georgia, so who are we going to come up with for three other SEC schools that are in the bottom tier? I think looking at South Carolina, they might be able to attract a mid-major coach there. Based, They've had higher success, right? They have had more success than all of these other teams that that we've been talking about in this segment I think maybe not Florida uh but Florida lost their coach because he took another job and so that that Florida's definitely the the hot team to look out for in this in this coaching carousel um LSU is going to be avoided like the plague because of the impending and sanctions that are going to be coming down I mean that that that's not an attractive situation but that that is, that is a nuclear situation right um South Carolina, I would say, is probably the second best job, and then I would say Missouri. Missouri's going to do their best to get a, you know, I, I feel like it's going to be a mid-major coach that's having some success. You know, it's going to be an Eli Drinkwitz type of hire. You know, looking at their football program, and then South Carolina's probably going to be in the same boat. You know, but I do think there's a little bit more to work with at South Carolina than maybe Missouri. And, and maybe for the chance of long-term success because of what Frank Martin has built out inside the basketball program, but. I, I still wonder if you would be able to – is that mid-major coach that they're going to find, are they going to be better than what you had with Frank Martin? Are they going to, on a regular basis, get you more than what Frank Martin got you, understanding that it's incredibly difficult to recruit the South Carolina men's basketball program? That, that's kind of, my, that's kind of my, my take on it right now. 
Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the one more firing within the SEC basketball coaching realm, LSU. They fired Will Wade right before the NCAA tournament because the NCAA is coming after him. Let's take a break here on the line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you today on the Monday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we head to the national break at 2.30. But we've been breaking down the SEC coaching carousel that has been knocked off the rails. We've had four coaches fired in the past few days. We broke down Mike White leaving Florida, going to Georgia, Missouri, firing Conzo Martin, South Carolina firing Frank Martin today. But the big one, my friend, is LSU finally pulling the trigger and firing Will Wade right before the NCAA tournament gets underway. But of course, we all know the news that came out last week, the NCAA letting LSU know that we have allegations on you and we're coming. It was a Liam Neeson moment. (laughs) You have allegations, we're coming for you. (laughs) Or maybe it was an Ed Orgeron moment. We coming. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this seems, I said in the last segment, it feels nuclear, right? Like this this feels like this could be the end were you of, shocked? of the good times. Yeah, were you shocked to see a, a move made like this before the tournament? Yeah, that, that tells you that it's dire moments, right? I, you could put out a press release that says that this has nothing to do with whether or not you view yourself guilty, but uh, this is definitely their first step to trying to comply, right? Because up to this point, they have been a little, I, rebellious isn't the right word, but also wouldn't say that they're, they've been overly compliant at least from the public image correct like they're they're the one school that has had like a lot of stuff's been heaped on into this lsu investigation there's stuff on tape there's stuff that's been reported about that's like yeah and it's been out yeah and there and now there's actual allegations against it and there's actual tape on it it's like that's kind of hard to to disprove in that moment right now as for all the other allegations you know you're just gonna have to wait and see what happens but still like there's something there a little bit more there, there's more substance when I was talking about this last week I said that when you look at the Will Wade situation compared to Auburn or to South Carolina the two other schools in this league that were caught up in some of this that have already seen their penalties handed down to them or lack thereof I should say because they both got slaps on the wrist and it was favorable endings you compare the two situations Auburn is is probably the worst situation to look at here because uh, South Carolina's was nothing really but you look at Auburn Auburn was the one that was was caught up more in in it, in it it felt like they they had a little bit more to lose maybe and Auburn still at its heart like there was no way to connect Auburn to Chuck Person it was Chuck Person doing his thing on his own the players it didn't really give Auburn any kind of advantage in recruiting because the players were already on campus they were already a part of the program and it was for stuff that was non-Auburn related right it was all it was it all had nothing to do with Auburn and then Auburn complied completely with it because they sanctioned themselves in addition to the fact that they suspended those players for like a year and a half of game time right like Auburn did their due diligence what has LSU done since the these these allegations now I know the notice of allegations just came in last week but what has LSU done since all the stuff was brought out that they were potentially caught up in this investigation right what have they done it doesn't seem like they have complied maybe at the same level as other institutions and look at and if you think that the NCAA doesn't have any teeth they've lost a lot of legs to stand on they've lost a lot of of ground a lot of territory over the last couple of years with the NIL and the transfer portal and whatnot they have been 
they've been canceled, if you will, in a lot of different ways. They really have. But they can still hand down sizable penalties. I, I don't, I mean, just look at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State is serving their postseason ban this year. They were not eligible to go to the NCAA tournament. If, and you look at the Oklahoma State situation, they complied. You look at all the, the hoops they jumped through just to cooperate with everything. And I don't know how many people caught up with that. Like the day they had games, they went to hearings, right? Like that, that group complied. LSU, once again, I go back to what is the extent of how they have complied as their coach has been able to coach over these years with some of the stuff that's out there. And, and LSU, basically, they said, look, like we're just going to do our thing until something happens and we're going to enjoy the good times because you can't take these years from us right and at the end of the day maybe they just saw they they evaluated the risk and they said we're going to keep this guy with us but now that it's came out all of this stuff has has been handed down upon them the evaluation is it's time to change well here's my problem with it this stuff has been going on since 2017 we're pushing four and five years now that this stuff has been going on and lsu just said ah screw it we don't care we don't want to deal with it we're just going to wait. Well, now they're coming. And the NCAA said, look, we finally, we've been dragging our feet. We understand. That's what we do. We're the NCAA. We do what we want. But it's been four years, but now we're here. And LSU was like, uh-oh. They've been compiling all the evidence. <laughs> exactly. And and now the LSU has said, uh-oh, like, now what do we do? And now they're just going to fire him. And he's not going to have to pay for anything. He's going to get, you know, money, whatever. And he made his money. Coach did what he did. But then, or now LSU is going to have to pay the price for whatever happened. And it's just crazy that this has been going on for four years now. And it's been out for three, at least, of Will Wade on video, audio, committing to pay players and commits and all of this other stuff it's been out and now they're just now getting around to it it's unbelievable it's ridiculous how LSU just decided to take the low road and just say well we're just not going to care until we absolutely have to whereas somebody like Auburn said okay we're going to belly up and we're going to do what we got to do to comply and take you know take the high road and it seemed to work out. So LSU did it to themselves. Nobody feels bad for Will Wade. Nobody feels bad for LSU because they did it to themselves. They had it coming. They knew it was coming. And instead of preparing for it and helping themselves, they just decided not to care. But now it's a little too late. And I think the NCAA is going to come down extremely hard, and as they should, on LSU. And then brings up the question, who wants to take this job, right? And is it going to be an internal hire? because they've got their current interim coaching that does have some coaching experience. Maybe he tries to see them through this situation. A Matt Luke, if you will, when this happened to Ole Miss in football. We've seen this at various locations. You kind of just bring in a coach, you're like, yeah, he's fine. You know, he's, he's a 5 out of 10, right? He's okay. He's going to get me through it, right? But he's not going to do anything special. And then once you've gotten through those years and maybe you had some okay results, because he's, once again, he's a fine coach, but he's nothing special in terms of a program manager. Once you get through all of the allegations and everything once you get through all the sanctions then you go and bring in your new guy right because there's no way that this guy could have succeeded you know what I mean it's kind of a lame duck coach and so I I wonder who they can attract because nobody wants to go in and ruin their coaching career on uncertainty and LSU right now is is not a it's not a secure job and and why would you want to go coach somewhere that's going to have major penalties and restrictions when it comes to where you can play, who you can play in this and, league as well. And in the SEC and then at the same time as a recruit as a player, 
I, who's going to want to go play at LSU over the next five years? Because they're not going to be able to play in NCAA tournaments. They're not going to be able to play against high-level teams. And they're not going to be able to do the things that they want to do. Plus, who's going to be coaching? They have no idea. But the NCAA, they're coming after LSU. That's all I'm saying. Let's take a break here on the line. When we come back, we'll start breaking down the NCAA tournament. Welcome back in on the line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you today on the Monday edition of the show. We're 30 minutes in to the Monday edition. We've been breaking down SEC coaching changes in college basketball. And to go along with that, let's break down and our, give our reactions to the SEC tournament that wrapped up on Sunday. The Tennessee Volunteers, even though they can't shoot the ball, they somehow made it happen and they went all the way to Sunday and they are your 2022 SEC tournament champions. Noah, your your thoughts on the volunteers getting the automatic bid in the NCAA tournament. I just want to say this real quick because we were talking about a, a double-digit seed maybe that could make it all the way to the semifinals, and I said Mississippi State, and they were one of the closest ones to achieve that, right? They hung with Tennessee for a half. You saw what I was talking about, right? And then Tennessee definitely did well in the second half. I'll say this. I have doubted the Tennessee Volunteers. I continue to doubt the Tennessee Volunteers because at some point their offense will disappear and looking at their bracket they're going out in the sweet 16 to villanova somebody unless somehow villanova just and right now you got a bad ohio state and i still don't think loyola chicago is that great i know that they got a, a 10 seed i think a little bit of that may be based around the fact of what they've done in the past i don't think loyola chicago is is 10 seed quality i think they're fine but they're they do not have the players that they've had the last couple of years they're not as good as they have been the last couple of years that was those were some giant killer teams right Th- those were the real deal this is not the same caliber loyal to chicago i look at that that pod right there that they're in in pittsburgh villanova's going to the sweet 16 tennessee's offense here's why man i mean at some point right now tennessee's hot right now tennessee's making shots at some point one game there will be one game where they are not making shots and they will lose and that's Villanova. Villanova's a great defensive team, and Villanova's comfortable with playing that style, slow you down. They can play in the half court very well. That is their game. Jay Wright thrives in that. I got Villanova out of that region into the Elite Eight over a Tennessee right now that is playing very well, but I, I, I'm not buying the whole that they're a Final Four national championship contender. Not a chance. No, I don't either, but they were making shots and playing defense in the SEC tournament, and they took down an extremely hot Texas A&M team, a team that started out in just ran through the SEC tournament. They beat Auburn. Of course, Auburn losing that very first quarterfinal game against Texas A&M, then sat at home for four days waiting on selection Sunday. And credit to Texas. them like that? Well, <laughs> it's true. It is it's true. It's true. And Texas A&M. Well, I'm concerned for the 15-2 upset. I'm going to be real. Oh, yeah. We'll break that down in a little bit. But Texas A&M, man, I think they got shafted not getting in the – NCAA tournament I think they did more than enough in the SEC tournament they made a name for themselves yeah they struggled early on in the season but the last month they've been playing really good basketball and especially the last week they've been playing some of the best basketball in the entire country and yet they still get 
the the wrong end of the decision and to they be don't, fourth out though fourth, to be the yeah. fourth of the bubble teams like that that's like you were barely considered that's ridiculous yeah that that was bad and I, I I disagreed with that and people debate on you know certain teams getting a seed a lot of people said Tennessee should have been a two seed over Duke I agree but that's not the one I'm concerned about Tennessee shouldn't even want that two seed if you look at the matchups Tennessee has a lot better path to a final four than Duke does but Texas A&M not getting into the NCAA tournament really rubbed me the wrong way because they showed and proved how good they can be and how good they're playing right now. And I think their work in the SEC tournament was more than enough, and yet they still didn't get they didn't get a bid in the NCAA tournament. Well, it further supports the notion that conference tournaments don't mean anything other than if you win the whole thing, which because uh, Tennessee didn't get a bump for what they did, and. Um, Texas A&M obviously didn't get hardly any respect. I mean, they 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 only moved one spot. They moved one spot every game they won. Which, not even, and maybe yeah, not even. I would say to where they're at. If you were looking at bracketology going into the week, I mean, they must have been way further out in the committee's mind than than where we were at. But I, I just you compared to some of the teams that got in. Michigan's the team that absolutely downright does not deserve to be in the NCAA tournament they don't deserve it who michigan does not oh. deserve to be in the ncaa tournament i i, I agree i am I pounding agree. my fist on the table they do not deserve to be in the tournament how in the world were they a like did they get a buy they're 17 and 14 indiana goes to the semifinals of the big 10 tournament barely loses takes a ridiculous bank shot buzzer beater to knock them out right Michigan goes home the first day to Indiana, and Indiana's got to play. And by the way, Indiana has got, looking at their record, Indiana now is 20-13, and 13, and Michigan's 17-14. and 14. They've beaten about the same caliber of teams, done about the same amount down the stretch. Indiana beat them head-to-head recently. Those two should at least be flipped. If anybody, like, if anybody did enough this week to get a bye, it was Indiana. And I, and I know it's on the record on this program that I like the team, but like there's some real Big Ten bias here. Michigan should not be in the field. They have not done enough to warrant that. And I know why they're in the field. Eyeballs. Let's just be real. People watching them. The crowd. I get it. That, that is a, this is like when Syracuse got into the dance back in like 2016 or 2017. Now, granted, that team went to the Final Four, went on a crazy run. But still, that, that I don't even know if you could make the argument that that team even deserved to be in the rankings at that time or, or deserved to be in the field at that time over some other teams. Michigan being in on a bye is part of the reason. But also, I, I think the bubble rankings were, were extremely incorrect. I, I have questions whether or not Notre Dame should be in the field, even though they, they did stay towards the top of the ACC most of this year. But the ACC was not a great league. And A&M beat Notre Dame head-to-head. And Notre Dame, it looks like, was like the last team in. Rutgers at 18 and 13, what they did over the last month, I get it. They beat a lot of ranked teams. I'm more okay. How was Rutgers in the first four and not Michigan? At 18 and 13, you look at all the top 25 teams they beat down the stretch. I mean, there's a lot of inconsistencies there. I'm not, I'm not a fan of Wyoming being in the field either. I'm not a fan of that. I, I just think the, the conference tournament meant absolutely nothing this past week. And as evidence why, I was watching a game. I was watching an SEC tournament game this week and uh or maybe it was a big 12 tournament game i can't remember i was watching a game this weekend and they said basically that all tennessee had to do or no all kentucky had to do was make it to the sec championship game to get the one seed because the committee didn't want to basically fool with 
having to watch that game and reseed everything. So they were just going to go ahead and pencil them in as a one seed. What? You're t- so, uh, you're telling me that like you you're uh, like you're literally just going to you don't want to have to fool with it. This is your job. Well, I don't care how close it is. Well, here's the thing: the SEC, if they want their conference championship game to mean anything, move it to Saturday. Because we've already seen that a championship game on Sunday, it doesn't matter who wins. The only thing that would have changed of this weekend is if Texas A&M had won on Sunday, then they I, would have obviously got the automatic bid. I think and all the, conference tournaments should have to be played on Saturday. I or, agree. Or all, all championship games should be done by the end of Saturday. But I agree know. because. It showed because Tennessee didn't move at all after winning the conference tournament. They didn't move. A and M obviously didn't move because they, they don't want to have to. Re- they don't have the time to reseed it. They you don't have like the thirty time. minutes, man. I mean, you're not gonna exactly. And and they didn't want to fool with it, but that's their job. And so if the SEC wants their conference championship game to mean literally anything when it comes to the NCAA tournament, it needs to be moved to Saturday, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. I don't care. But move the game to Saturday so force the committee to watch your game and to break it down and put those teams in or out depending on what happens in that game. Make them do it because right now they're not. And you can't you can't tell me that they care about the SEC championship game because their seedings showed. Tennessee didn't move. They didn't move. And they got replaced by Duke at the two line, which is horrible. Tennessee should be a two seed. They're probably happy if you really ask them because if you look at their, like I said before, if you look at their treks between Duke and Tennessee, Tennessee's is a lot easier, but it's beside the point. They won the SEC championship and didn't get rewarded for it. And that's, that's, that's bad because the SEC is one of, if not the best conference in college basketball. But Noah, I want to ask you this. The SEC got six teams in. We've had this debate a long time. They got six in, should have had seven which would have made me extremely wrong, but they got six in. What's your opinion on the seedings for the SEC teams besides Tennessee? Was it fair? How'd you like I'm glad it? glad Arkansas got onto the four line because there was a lot of bracketology throughout the week and then that lost to A&M. I'm glad they got on the four line. I think Auburn's right as a two. Some people were trying to suggest that Auburn maybe should fall as far as a three, and I'm like, that's outrageous. Definitely not. Auburn is fine as a two. I mean, you could have said that there should have been three SEC teams on the two line, which is probably what they wanted to avoid. It was probably hard to get Tennessee onto that line. I think Kentucky as a two definitely makes sense. They deserve to be ahead of Auburn in that way. I think Kentucky's just playing better basketball than Auburn is right now going to the NCAA tournament, so I get that. Alabama's a six seed is gross. Uh, I'll be looking forward to see them be the next loss in the uh, – I know that sounds a little biased, but I'm just going to say, you know, I, I I think Alabama, the way that they played in the second half of the season, they did not warrant getting a six seed. Look at the other six seeds. You got Texas. That was a top 25 team for pretty much the entire year. Colorado State, 25 and 5 on the year, which I don't love Colorado State as a six seed. I think that still feels more like a seven seed to me than anything. Um, because I just don't, res- I, once again, the Mountain West is just not the league. And then LSU as a six seed, just fired their head coach. I don't, I don't love LSU and Alabama seeds. Um, I think it would have made a two-seeds life terrible if they ended up getting one of those seven seeds or something like that. But I just a 19-13 and 13 team should not be a six seed. And those two teams very well could be going home and end up being the next victim. Because guess what? Since like over the last like 50-something meetings, over the last 50 meetings or so, I, th- I think the 11 seed has a winning record over the six seeds over the last several tournaments. I mean, I'm just saying – the the brackets the way that they seed these things out 
you get a lot of like hot 11 seeds in there a lot of times that ends up being a first four matchup as well as 11 11 they get their feet under and start making some shots going to run a bit i don't have alabama winning a tournament game well, alabama yeah. does not win a postseason game this year oh i i 100 agree and if you look at alabama they're 19 and 13 if you replace two of those 19 wins with with you know non gonzaga or baylor if you just replace oh, just say them they with, lose one does let's say they lose, they lose one, one of those one, games they're not a tournament team I don't know if I'd say they're not a tournament team, but they definitely went out of six seed. Let's say they they let's say they lost to Baylor right in January, and and all we've seen of Alabama since SEC play is mediocrity, and all the work that they did was over the span of two days against Gonzaga and Houston, and they were eighteen and fourteen. Which once again we're saying, what if they did those things? They deserve to be in the field. So maybe this maybe this conversation is you know all for naught. But they would have been eighteen and fourteen, and and I think they would have still made the field because a brand b michigan got in too right and so i think they would have made the field but they definitely wouldn't have been a six seed they might have been an eight seed or worse i think that's what you would have been looking at with alabama i don't think so i think if 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 you take alabama's record and keep it the exact same but they didn't play gonzaga and baylor let's say they played alabama state for oh, gonzaga yeah. and they played you know and that event know, no you're right kansas they, state for, for their big 12 sec challenge Alabama's not a tournament team they're not a tournament team how they're playing right now I would say assume that they still beat Gonzaga and Houston and and maybe lost to Baylor I think they drop a few seed lines but in your your scenario you are correct that is probably not a tournament team that is Vanderbilt and that would be playing in the NIT exactly and so Alabama I still don't I know they have those wins and I you can't take that away away. they did that they did it but they did it a long time ago okay and there's a huge difference between non-conference play in November and how you're playing in March. And I know they can't leave them out. I understand that. They couldn't have done that. But, it, I mean... Well, get this. Texas A&M beat that Alabama team on their floor two weeks ago by 18 points or 17 points or whatever it was. A&M has 23 wins. And Alabama has 19. A&M's a better and basketball A&M, and team. And A&M's not even in the field. And, by the way, A&M won a few games in the SEC tournament. You know what I mean? But Alabama's, exactly. but Alabama's a six seed, guys. That's bad. They should not be a six seed. Texas A&M, A, is a better basketball team right now. B, playing better than Alabama. They have a better – maybe not a better resume, but – it's just it's bad man Alabama sure they should be in because they beat two teams back in November good for them but and I'm not saying this because you know I like Auburn whatever I'm legitimately looking at Alabama I mean they're not going to win a tournament game they're going to lose more likely than not in the very first round and they just they haven't been winning they haven't been playing good at all they have no motivation it seems like they have no discipline when they're playing on the floor I just don't see how this team in my opinion, A is a tournament team, but B, how they're such high as a six seed, that's just that's just not good. And the same thing with LSU, they're a six seed. They may lose their very first game because they're gonna be playing without their head coach. So I don't know, man. The SEC, obviously Auburn, Kentucky, and Tennessee have a good chance to make a little run but other than that i don't think the other SEC teams are gonna make it very far i thought auburn got a favorable pod they definitely did but i'm also still you you it's not about auburn's opponents it's never been about auburn's it's about it's it's about auburn and it's and auburn's lost a&m was self-inflicted now did i feel a little bit better after what a&m did arkansas the next day about auburn it's easy to it's easy to feel better about that but the reality is don't let that fool you okay don't let that put you to sleep okay it is still a self-inflicted wound 
I know you're acting all, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said wait until the Sounds SEC familiar, tournament. does no, it not? Dude, we've been, I just defended that team until they got to the SEC tournament. I wanted to see them play in tournament play because I thought some of those things would rectify, and they did not. They haven't. Um, and they have not changed one bit. And I've been saying it. I didn't want to be right because I want this team to go and do great things. And we can break it down on the other side of this break before 3 o'clock. But Auburn is Auburn's biggest foe and Auburn's biggest challenge is Auburn. And it, it's just, that's just how it is. That is the situation. And I've been saying it for over a month and pushing a month and a half now that Auburn has issues. They have problems. They haven't fixed it. And they have shown me nothing that says it's going to get any better. And here we are. And coming into the NCAA tournament, Auburn couldn't even win an SEC tournament game. The problems are still there. And I just don't see it getting fixed. Yeah, they're going to have some favorable matchups, maybe round one, possibly round two. But after that, Auburn, Auburn better figure it out. And I just don't see it happening. But I want it to happen. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll wrap up hour number one. You're listening to On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you today on the Monday edition of the show. Wrapping up our number one. If you've missed any of the of the show, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast right after the show. It'll be uploaded and you can listen to that there on today's show or any of our other episodes they're uploaded as soon as we go off the air just search on the line wherever you get your podcast make sure you call in give us your opinion on everything going on in the sporting world if you want to talk about the sec tournament sec coaches getting fired tom brady coming back to play another season for the bucks if you want to talk about anything give us a call here on the line 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 and noah let's wrap up our number one talking about the goat making a comeback in the nfl tom brady yesterday evening tweeted out he said look i had some time to think about it and i'm coming back maybe he just couldn't uh Maybe didn't, he couldn't take childcare or something, you know? Maybe he just got tired of dropping the kids off at daycare every day. I'm not sure. But Tom Brady is coming back to play again for the Tampa Bay Bucks. He is unretired. Your thoughts? It, from the get-go, though, it felt like, yeah, this guy could come back, right? That, it just never really felt final to me, That's which just is him. weird. Like, why did you make the decision if you weren't, like, sure? And maybe he just needed to test the waters first to be sure. I don't know. I'm not criticizing the decision. But I think we should all just hold a moment of silence for Saints fans out there that maybe just, like, a good friend of the program, Levi Fitzwater, you know, we have him on. Just a moment of silence for Levi because he's down bad right now, okay? (laughs) How about the (laughs) NFC as as a whole? I thought, all right, here we go. My boy Aaron Rodgers is coming back to the Packers. Oh, yeah, the Packers guy. We got one more time, (laughs) one more chance. We don't have to play Tom Brady. But, nah, Brady said, nah, I can't do it. I'm telling you, I think Tom Brady – he got tired of having tea parties with his daughter or something. He he just he had to come back. He couldn't take he couldn't take it anymore. But I think he just had the itch. I think he he just thinks he can continue to play at a high level. And I think he can. I mean, the dude's going to be forty five years old and still playing NFL football. That's unbelievable, if you ask me, man. That's just crazy to think about. And yet he's still going to be, and him and the Bucks are still going to be a favorite to compete for a Super Bowl. They brought back his center. They re-signed him. I mean, they're going to have guys coming back, running backs and receivers. I mean, the Tampa Bay Bucs are going to be a legitimate threat yet again in the NFC. Without a doubt, it's like they didn't even go anywhere. Where's Gronk? Did Gronk, Gronk didn't retire, right? Well, he was only on that one-year deal, right? So he has to wouldn't they have to re-sign him? I'm so, sure. Someone blow the, the conch shell for, for Gronk to come back. Gronk. Boom. 
<laughs> he's runs out of a party. Here he comes. He's got a solo cup in hand and a football in the other. He's just he's coming. I mean, football, Gronk back. Let's go, <laughs> touchdown, spike, yeah, Gronk smash. <laughs> no, I, I'm sure he'll come back. I mean, if he if Brady decided to come back, I'm sure Gronk will come back because at this point. Gronk doesn't want to play football unless yeah, Tom Brady's bro, his quarterback. Yeah, bro, got to do more commercials. Yeah, man. Yeah, he's making <laughs> millions of dollars just doing commercials, catching some footballs, competing for Super Bowls. He's living his his best life. Gronk is so good for him. Good for it's Tom Brady. It's the ultimate man. bromance. It really in football, is. Right. It's the video. Period. The video of them sitting there looking at each other and just giggling, or just looking at each other. It's it's so funny, dude. And there that shows their relationship. Gronk is. But the fact that he's willing to play football for no one else, just Tom brady like that's it like but he's good he's enough. like he's like a knight he's okay, good enough feudal system. he's good enough that he can do that though he said i don't want to play for anybody but the goat and he has every power to do that unbelievable man it's crazy but tom brady i mean the it seems like he can't age or he doesn't age because yet he's like i said he's going to be the oldest quarterback to ever take a snap in the nfl i'm curious 45. to see what he looks like though Dude. I'm curious, Tom Brady. I'm curious to see how he plays. Yeah, I, mean, I am too. When does that cliff hit? Because we all know there's a cliff. I mean, it's coming, but there's a gradual progression down. And for some guys, that gradual that line is a lot less steep than others. But eventually, there's all there is the precipice. The Brett at Favre some point, drop off. Yeah, at some point, you hit the precipice where you're like, or the Peyton Manning one, where it's like. So can we get this guy a Nerf football? That might help him out a little bit better. But see, <laughs> I, I thought that it was coming two or three years ago, and yet here we are. The Bucks are still the Bucks. Tom Brady's still Tom I Brady. I think we're beginning to see just a little, a little bit more. I, and so I think with every year we get closer to that precipice, obviously. I mean, he's I halfway to 50. So what's it going to take for him to officially retire and not come back, Tom Brady? I hate to say this. Yeah, so Trevor just said another Super Bowl, so go win him one more. I think that would be the way to go out. But what's the what's the likelihood, though, that like he hits the precipice first and like the last images that we have of Tom Brady are like the last images we had of Brett Favre and Peyton Manning? Yeah, Which, granted, the last image we had of Peyton Manning with his giant forehead with confetti on it celebrating a Super Bowl. So, I mean, that that was pretty nice. But I think one of them could also be, and I, God forbid this is not what I'm asking for or want, but I think an injury could end his could could be it for Tom Brady as well. If he gets an injury that's a long comeback, I think you could see him be done. But that's it for hour number one here on the line. When we come back for hour number two, we're going to break down the NCAA tournament bracket and see where Auburn can try to pick up some wins. You're listening to On the Line. Live on ESPN, 106.7 in Auburn and Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga. Online on Fox Sports, 983.com and ESPNAU.com. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you today on the Monday edition of the show. 
Hour number two is officially underway. If you missed any of hour number one, just search on the line wherever you get your podcast immediately after the show. We'll upload it and you can listen to it there. We appreciate everybody tuning in today for the second hour. If you were with us for the first hour, thank you so much. We appreciate you hanging around for hour number two. If you want to give us a call about anything that's on your mind going on in the sporting world, make sure you give us a call. Give Trevor a call. He'll answer and you can talk to us right here on the line. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 8 888-382-7502. Noah, we now have an NCAA tournament bracket. It was released yesterday on Selection Sunday. Your top seeds are Gonzaga, Baylor, Arizona, and Kansas. We can break down this bracket, see who we like. I have a, I've only filled out one bracket myself, so I haven't, given it a, first. I haven't given it a ton of thought, and it was just my my first look bracket. It was just go through and pick who I thought immediately. That was not a lot of research or anything like that. So I haven't really broken it down a whole lot. But your initial thoughts to the bracket being released, Auburn is a two-seed in the Midwest with a first-round matchup of Jacksonville State. You know what's funny? Every single team out there looks at their bracket. This will tell you how down college basketball has been this year. And further illustrates the point that I was saying that everybody's got major issues and that anybody could go home a little bit too early. Now, that's not absolving Auburn of responsibility and that Auburn needs to improve and a lot of their issues are self-inflicted and that Auburn, too, could be a part of that group. The difference will be between those teams, the ones that keep advancing, the ones that go home, or the ones that fix their problems and don't self-inflict their wounds. But everybody's looking at the region and thinking, yeah, we can do this, right? Everybody's looking at their region and thinking, yeah we can upset that guy you know you can look on this on this paper and be like okay north carolina's down in baylor this week right like north carolina's coming to this thinking hey this is manageable we can run this thing we can change seats with baylor here right they can get that i'm looking around the bracket and, there, and there's few issues where i look on here and i and i can't see something happen right like i, I mean obviously you know your 116s your 215s those are far-fetched but i even think you can look on here and jacksonville state's thinking yeah oh yeah we can do this thing oh, right you no know they're now ready. the problem is if auburn shows up and says yeah we can do this thing then there's no hope and auburn's going to absolutely you know i, I think auburn would win that game by double digits obviously but if auburn doesn't show up and auburn plays really bad then like they were already yesterday on the cbs selection show talking about how jacksonville state does the things like playing defense and hitting threes that could definitely give auburn fits let's just be real um and and jacksonville state's had some that that league the ohio valley conference with jacksonville state murray state moorhead state just saying they've got teams that know how to play basketball they're not bad and they've got some studs on their teams as well do not overlook these guys and especially for Auburn, man, if Auburn continues to play like they've been playing and you get a Jacksonville State team that has every ounce of motivation to come in here and beat a down Auburn team, be the upset of the tournament, and shoot lights out, I'm not saying it's going to happen. because no, Auburn's going to win. Auburn's going Auburn's to win, win, but it very well could if Auburn continues to do what they do and shoot up. 50 shots and miss 50 of them so but how many times have we looked at this bracket over the last day and said yeah that team's got a favorable run just like for, oh yeah like, like you said that today with tennessee we've said that with auburn we've said that with kentucky i mean look at kentucky's bracket man i mean come on uh, i mean that's they get st peter's who's like honestly should have been a 16 seed i think when you look at them and 19 and 11 how'd they get a 15 seed right what and, and i think when you and, break it down 
I think Duke at the two seed up in the West, I think they have the hardest path to the final four of any of the top three or four teams because probably so texas tech and davidson yeah davidson or michigan state i think either one of those is a tough round of 32 game then they're going to have to play texas tech then they're going to have to play gonzaga just to get to the final four i mean that's a tough stretch and that's probably the toughest one for any top three c top four seed in the tournament but yeah you're exactly right when you look at it you can pick any team dude anything can happen man i'm telling you this this bracket's crazy i mean look at saint mary's as a five seed they you know they have a shot marquette as a nine seed as a shot i mean all these teams have a legitimate chance and it's very rare that you see this in college basketball but i think it just it shows how there's not just one elite level team i think the best team right now is gonzaga but they can all they can obviously be beat and i think even the good teams in this tournament can be beat on any given day because all of the teams are more packed together rather than stacked up in in their own little individual you know quote-unquote brackets of okay these five or six teams are just going to run through this tournament these teams have a chance to at least make a little run no anybody legitimately has a chance to make a run in this year's tournament it's it's a good looking field I like of course I was mad at a few snubs I think one or two teams shouldn't have been in but overall i don't have too many gripes with the field it's it's already put together some really intriguing first and second round matchups i think you've got some some really outstanding games here some potential upsets early on too and i think we'll see a lot of upsets this year but you know like you look at the second round possibilities you can get villanova loyola chicago you can get duke davidson you can get kentucky murray state you can get auburn usc all on that two line those are great 2-7, 2-10 matchups where the teams like Murray State, in-state rival with Kentucky, right, are not really rival, but they you know, they, they have a reason to want to go and be a giant killer there, right? Davidson in North Carolina with Duke, right? They have a reason to want to go and be a giant killer there. Loyola, Chicago, and kind of the similar realm of the country as, as Villanova want to go and be a you know catholic school you know you know that the both of those catholic school rivalry right like want to go and be a giant killer you know you break that down you go top to bottom um yukon arkansas in a round of 32 that'd be a little no nah, man be, vermont all the way to the sweet 16 i'm just saying vermont man. all the way you I mean, take I think a vermont be, every, if yukon and arkansas happen now i'm not saying okay that, that i will take vermont just you know head over heels but i'll tell you look you know this you can test this you've seen the results the formula's done pretty well in single game matchups right yep it's done pretty well all right uh, you know, just crunching my numbers here and looking at statistically the, the tail of the tape. And that's not everything. I understand that. 100% with the bracket, that's not everything. I don't want people to think that I, I just go off numbers. I fill out a couple of different brackets with a couple, from a couple of different perspectives. Um, and one of my perspectives here is really digging into some efficiencies and whatnot. Vermont's got the stuff in their little pod to go to the Sweet 16. Then they'll get slapped by Gonzaga. But they've got the stuff to beat an Arkansas that isn't the most efficient team in the world. They rebound really well. They shoot the ball well. They score down low. This team's incredibly efficient. Now, who do they play? That's the other drawback here. They're a 13 seed after all. They remind me of some of those UC Irvine teams that were 13 or 14 seed over the last couple of years that could shoot the ball really well. We're just really efficient on offense, which is which is more of a you thing, I think, than the teams that you play. Because there's a lot of teams in this field that play cupcakes all year long that don't boast the statistics that a Vermont or a UC Irvine of years past boasted, right? Those teams can score, okay? Belmont, another team that fits in into a category like that like those guys 
it's not just because of your opposition. Like they are legit scoring the way that they score against bad competition because they're just that good. Now, athletically, do they lag behind the teams that they play 100%? And that could, at the end of the day, be what dooms them. But that is a game right now, a team with a lot of experience, knows how to win. They've won 28 games this year. They've been in the NCAA tournament. They're an NCAA tournament regular. You just look a couple years ago, back 2019, Vermont's first-round game was against Florida State. They ran with Leonard Leonard Hamilton's guys. Florida State was as, as athletic as it gets over the last couple years, right? I think Vermont can run with Arkansas. I think they do a lot of things the right way. The question is, uh, is Arkansas's talent level a little bit too high for a team like Vermont? But if Vermont gets into that second round playing UConn, I think it's a lot more level playing field as far as athleticism is concerned than it is in that first round game against Arkansas. It's not as much of a stretch for me in my mind to see a Vermont beating a UConn. Of course, it just makes you feel sketchy to have a 13 seed going to your Sweet 16 because it doesn't happen that often. But I'm telling you, I think they were possibly seated a little bit too low. And they were seated a little bit too low because of who they play on a regular basis. But they've won 28 games. They know how to win. And that's very true. I mean, Vermont has what it takes to make a little bit of a run in this tournament of course like you said they would match up against Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 and they're not going to be able to hang with those guys but I I like it man it's a bold pick but you know Vermont could get it done or Arkansas could find their their mojo again and start winning some games in the NCAA tournament to all of our listeners out there give us a call give us your opinion on the NCAA tournament bracket what matchup are you looking forward to in the first round in any of the sections of the brackets we want to hear from you the matchup you want to see and you cannot wait to see on Thursday or Friday give us a call here on the line 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 Noah can you say that the Arkansas-Vermont is the game you're looking forward to the most in the first round <laughs> besides Auburn's game, or no, is there another no, no, game no. that you're looking at? No, I was just talking about a team that could potentially go on a run that maybe people aren't looking at right now that maybe they could look at if you want to be spicy in one of your brackets. I think Vermont could be something that if you think Arkansas is going to the Elite Eight or something like that or is going to the Sweet 16, beware. Like They're one of those teams where I'd be like, oh. Well, what? Look what they did in the SEC tournament. Exactly. I mean. you, they could lose – they could lose early on you know i'm just giving you a tip that 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 could happen i could also be wrong i mean it's the NCAA tournament if you lose by one point you lost by one point it didn't matter that you held it close and you were vermont you lost right and at the end of the day it's surviving events you know what i mean it takes a lot for a team for a 13 seed to go that far that's why it doesn't happen that often uh i'm looking at the potential second round matchup of north carolina baylor that where things could get a little messy for people baylor's dealt with a lot of injuries we saw them lose to oklahoma in the quarterfinals of the big 12 tournament oh it's possible now Baylor at their best when they're playing well even though they are a bit shorthanded they are capable of going a few games here in the NCAA tournament but by far they're the weakest one seed I think if you put them on the two line I would start to think about them as probably aside from Auburn the weakest two seed I'll be real I think they're incredibly vulnerable to have them on the one line I get it they've lost six games out of the big 12 they've kind of just they've hung around right they've had some so many injuries they've found ways to win games and they've won a couple of big games here down the stretch but this North Carolina team Man, this is a North Carolina team that is not playing like an eight seed, and I mean that in a good way. I know that they lost to Virginia Tech in a not-so-pretty way in the ACC tournament, but before that, they were hot. They played their way out of the bubble into an eight seed in the field. That'll tell you how much range they've covered over the last couple of weeks. 24-win team. They have talent. It's North Carolina. They recruit well. There is no reason why North Carolina couldn't run with Baylor from an athleticism standpoint on the floor. It just comes down to if North Carolina is going to be is, is going to be scoring like they have down the stretch, like they did against the Duke. Are they going to get that type of performance out of Baycott 
and some of their other key players on that team that they did down the stretch when they did what they did to Duke are they going to be able to get that the consistent theme here though is North Carolina is constantly one of the best rebounding teams in college basketball offensively and defensively and they're going against a shorthanded Baylor team that doesn't have an incredibly strong front court if North Carolina can control the glass offensive rebound like they do they they grab like 30 percent of their offensive rebound opportunities that's incredibly high in college basketball they're one of the best offensive rebounding teams year in and year out because that's North Carolina identity that Roy Williams instilled that's the culture and Hubert Davis is, is continuing it on if North Carolina rebounds and dominates the glass in that game, gets a lot of second-chance points, they can get an inspiring effort. I see no reason why North Carolina couldn't pull an upset over Baylor in the second round. That's something that I would look forward to. But, of course, that Marquette team, Big East teams are tough. And if they and I've seen that Marquette team get yeah. incredibly hot early on in games this year. That Marquette team shoots the ball, lights out. All of a sudden, North Carolina, we could not even get that matchup against them and Baylor. So, I like that North Carolina-Baylor matchup potentially in the second round. I think it could be really fun. To break down my the game that I'm looking forward to most in the first round, there's a couple of them. This is a sneaky one. Illinois and Chattanooga, the 4-13 matchup up in the south bracket. I really like that matchup because Illinois, yes, they can play really well, but we've seen them also not play as good as they could be. And I think Chattanooga, they can really score the basketball. They run up and down the floor. And Illinois is not that type of basketball team. They play in the Big Ten now. They don't do that. They, they lock down and they want to play a 60-point game. And I think that could be an upset. I like Chattanooga to at least compete in that game. I think it could be back and forth, a game that could be a buzzer beater maybe from either side. So I really like the Illinois-Chattanooga matchup in the first round. And another one I like is down in the bottom left in the east. And I hate that they put these two teams up against each other because I think they both have legitimate chances to beat some teams. But it's the 7-10 matchup, Murray State and San Francisco. Murray State... They've got the best record out of anybody in the entire tournament at 30-2. and They were undefeated in their conference. They won their conference tournament championship. Murray State has... Oh, they can give them some run. They have some dudes on that team right now. And I hate that they're up against San Francisco, another team from, you know, not one of the non-major conferences that could really do some damage in the tournament. They've played Gonzaga a couple times this year. They've hung with them. I think San Francisco, again, they can score the basketball. That's what they do out west. And I think both of those teams could go on, and if they were not matched up against each other, could win one or two games in the NCAA tournament. But now that they are matched up, I think it's going to be a fantastic ball game. I think you're going to see a lot of points, a lot of fast pace in this ball game. I like Murray State right now to win that game. I don't think I'm going to have San Francisco winning it in any of my brackets, but I think it's going to be a fantastic game in the first round. Murray State and San Francisco, the 7-10 matchup. I think Kentucky's going to get it to the Sweet 16 from down there. I've sharpied that in already. Um, I think Murray State has plays a good enough brand of basketball, is efficient enough to where they can keep up. At the end of the day, though, we saw it when they played Auburn, and that was a long time ago. Granted, they've probably gotten better since then, but we saw they just they don't have Kentucky-caliber players, and that's really difficult to match up with. I think that they'll get to the second round. It's a team that you would like to root for. Nothing against our, our friends in the, in the meme war, right? But uh, I think that at the end of the day, that talent that Kentucky has, the athleticism that Kentucky has, ends up winning out over Murray State in, in that game. It's it's sneaky. You know, they won 30 games, but they didn't play an incredibly difficult schedule. I don't think that they challenged themselves too much, even outside of conference play. So they get to that 30-win threshold. I just don't know if they have the meat, if they have the, the front court, if they're balanced out enough we know they've got great guards but 
there are teams like that have guys like Oscar Sheboy and just bigger dudes that just that makes a difference. It really does. And Murray State doesn't have anybody to match up against Oscar Sheboy, and that's how you beat Kentucky is you have somebody that matches up against him because he has proven he can't compete at a high level with somebody that's as big or bigger than him. But Murray State doesn't have that. They have a lot of athletic guys that want to run and up Tennessee and down the floor. Tennessee bullied him this past weekend. Tennessee bullied him this weekend, and that's what I'm saying. It's been happening all season long when Oscar Sheboy gets up against somebody as big so or bigger. So if you bigger, want to see Kentucky go down, who's the team at the bottom of that bracket that sends them home? I've already got my – I already know who it is. It's Purdue. It's Purdue. It's got to be the Purdue. The front court play, that the size that Purdue has, whether it's Trevion Williams or uh, it's Eddie, the, the other power forward that's seven foot four. Oscar Sheway is going to get sandwiched between two incredibly – in between an incredibly large front court. And that's not even the best part about Purdue. The best part about Purdue is, their, is, believe it or not, their guards this year, which hasn't always been the case because you think back to some of those teams like Isaac Haas playing for them, right? That, that, that is not gone. They still have that presence. They're, that's not the focal point anymore. They have Jaden Ivey, and Jaden Ivey is going to score the basketball. And so I, they've got the, the backcourt play and they've got the frontcourt play to, I think, Purdue find their way into the Elite Eight and knock off Kentucky in the Sweet 16. That's a sleeper team right there, Purdue. If you're They're a Kentucky, three seed, though, isn't I it? I know, but I mean, <laughs> we this is the first time we've talked about them today. It's Purdue yeah. the first time. And if you're a Kentucky fan, there's no doubt. You are cheering for Purdue to lose. And the and, top of the bracket in, in the East is soft. Yeah. I'm, I mean, not, I'm not a believer in UCLA, St. Mary's. I know I said a lot of positive things about North Carolina, but like I only meant that in the term that they, maybe they could win a few games. I'm not saying that they're like a Final Four contender. And I really, and once again, Baylor's the weak team out of the one seeds, potentially even out of the two seeds if you all compared them. So, like, I'm telling you, Purdue may be the best. Now, they haven't played like it, and I know they just lost the Big Ten championship, but they did get there. And I know they had some close calls at the end of Big Ten playing. They lost some games to teams like Wisconsin and whatnot. And the Big Ten has a terrible track record in tournament play, okay? Which is why I still don't understand how they got nine teams in there. So take all that for what it's worth. But, like, when I look at this bracket, Purdue and Kentucky are the two best teams in the East, Well, it's not Ken- the teams in the top. It's Kentucky's bracket to win. I mean, Kentucky would be the favorite in this bracket, especially if they don't play Purdue. If they don't have to play Purdue, they're going to win out, I think, because there's nobody that can match up with them. Not that Kentucky is going to win the national championship. I don't think they will, but... Even if they play Purdue, they have a chance, but I think Purdue would get the best of them. But if Kentucky doesn't have to play Purdue, they're going to win that bracket. There's no doubt in my mind. Kentucky, they're good, and they they are Final Four good. I don't know if they're national championship good when it comes to how they play and the matchup problems that they have on this basketball team. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll continue to break down the NCAA tournament bracket for the year 2022. You're listening to On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Welcome back into On the Line. You're on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you on the Monday edition of the show. If you want to give us a call about anything on your mind going on in the sporting world, please do so. We want to hear from you. 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Anything that's on your mind, give us a call. We'll debate it. You can ask us some questions. Anything you want. Give us a call here on the line. Noah, we've been breaking down some of the NCAA tournament matchups now that the bracket is officially out after yesterday's selection show. Auburn is in as a two seed. They will play Jacksonville State on Friday at 1140 Central Time on True TV, I believe. 
And to be honest, Auburn got a pretty good, pretty good draw in the NCAA tournament bracket. They have Jacksonville State, their potential round of 32 as either USC or Miami. And then after that, you're looking at probably a LSU or Wisconsin game. Your thoughts on Auburn's draw in the NCAA tournament? Everybody's been saying, yeah, they got a pretty good draw, pretty good draw. And I'm just like, what happens if USC shows up ready to play, man? Back 12 teams have been giant killers in the NCAA tournament in recent memory, right? Like, we could talk as much trash about the league as we want in all major sports, but let's just be real. They show up when it's time to dance. They bring their tap shoes, okay? These guys, USC, I like them, all right? Andy Enfield, talk about success. Hold on, like, break this down. They went to the Sweet 16 last year at least. Think about that. They upset Kansas, okay? Andy Enfield, the head coach of the USC Trojans, do you know what mid-major school he coached? Coached in the early 2010s before he went to USC that had everyone losing their minds one of the first Cinderella's of the modern area go ahead is it Florida Gulf Coast it is it is the FGCU Dunk City man <laughs> they were on fire and everybody remembers that right like this guy knows how to coach in tournament time like everybody's like yeah Aubrey got a good draw and I'm kind of like yeah Okay, I mean, but it could be worse, yes, but like they're they've got a coach that's a seventeen. This USC team once again knows how to win. They're twenty six and seven. They probably feel wrong that they're a seven seed. Once again, they got the seven seed because nobody respects the Pac twelve. But in tournament time, the Pac twelve has a history of showing up ready to play. Also, they have a coach that has a great tournament resume. Let's just be honest. A great tournament resume. And I, I know we may like Auburn, you know, matchups wise with them, but just saying what if Auburn doesn't show up ready to play right it's it's not about the opponents for me it's more about Auburn for me and if Auburn decides that they want to play there's only one team maybe in the bottom half of the bracket that maybe worries me a little bit and that would be the Wisconsin Badgers because of the style of play they slow things down a little bit Auburn hasn't been as good against teams that slow things down they play really good defense and they've got great guard play now Johnny Davis is injured right now but even outside of Johnny Davis they have great guard play they've got great guard play one through three how do you take down Auburn? Have great guard play, play great defense, you're going to win. Well, here's here's how I break this down. If you if you just look at Auburn's bottom half of the bracket, LSU, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Colgate, USC, Miami, Auburn, and Jacksonville State. If Auburn plays to their potential, there's not a team on that list that's going to beat Auburn. I agree with you. There's right. not a team on that list that I think is better than Auburn in that bottom half of the bracket. I'm with you. But... As I've been saying for the past month and a half now, Auburn has problems. Auburn has not fixed those problems. And what has come from it? Auburn lost in their very first game in the SEC tournament. They have not been winning big, good games or big games when they needed to. They've had the exact same problems for the past month and a half, and they have not fixed them. And the problem is I haven't seen anything from them that's going to change my mind that they're just going to say, Oh, well, let's just change how we play. Let's just snap our fingers and fix our problems because it doesn't happen like that. They should have been using these past four weeks to make those changes and get better as time goes on. And Auburn hasn't done that. So can their talent take them through the first round? I sure hope so. I hope you can go out and beat a Jacksonville State and just be better than them. But you're absolutely right. In the second round against either a USC or a Miami, Auburn, they might struggle, or they might not. They may very well 
decide that they want to turn it on and play good basketball because we've seen Bruce Pearl do it with teams before where they decide to turn it on, be a good team in the tournament, and make a legitimate run because if they play good basketball, there's not a team on that side of the bracket in their region especially that they can lose to until the Elite Eight in Kansas. So we'll see what Auburn's able to do. I think they got a good draw, but as you've said, Noah, it doesn't matter who they play because most of the time Auburn is their biggest defeat Auburn's their biggest enemy the two things that worry me the two teams that worry me the most and I'll tell you why they worry me the most and granted you're right it could be a lot worse I'll tell you I probably would like Kentucky's pool if we're looking at the other two seeds I probably would like Kentucky's a little bit more because Auburn's already beaten Murray State gotta have some they and they looked good against Murray State the matchups I think favored Auburn in that one I would like Villanova's St. Peter's is the worst 15 seed out there right now looking at it across the across the entire line and then also looking out at their stats earlier the one of the worst 15 seeds out there they shoot like 46 percent from two that's awful uh I don't know once again how they how they're not in the first four I don't understand uh especially considering a couple of the first four teams uh like Texas A&M Corpus Christi have won 23 games um I, I I I don't know I kind of like Dukes a little bit I'm not I'm not that afraid of Michigan State but Davidson definitely they shoot the basketball very well that could be that could be sketchy Villanova's I've liked Auburn's chances against Loyola Chicago Ohio State's playing really bad right now but Ohio State's probably a better basketball team than a USC or Miami so I mean like I said it's kind of in the middle here I think when uh, comparing to Auburn's route to the other two seeds but the two teams that I don't like in Auburn's trip to the sweet 16 that uh, teams that Auburn can play on their way to the sweet 16 I don't like USC because Andy Enfield he knows how to coach in tournament time don't tell me that's not true go and look at the resume dude wins dude goes dude wins multiple games in tournament time um and then the other team is Wisconsin Wisconsin's guard playing defense really should intimidate I think uh, it's, it's intimidating for for how Auburn has played and fact that they're five and four over the last nine games it's intimidating because it's exactly Auburn's kryptonite. Well, again, Auburn has not done anything in the past month and a half to show me or prove to me that they can be a good team and that they can fix their problems. Yes, they have a lot of athletes and they have a lot of good talent. One of the most talented teams in the whole country, in the whole tournament. But they have not played like it. And that's the problem. I want this team to be good. I want them to make a run in this NCAA tournament. And they very well can if they get back to playing how they can play. But... Until they do it, there's nothing that proves to me that they're going to do it come Friday against Jacksonville State. Let's head to our national break here at 3.30. When we come back, Dan, hold on. We'll get to you here on the line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you today on the Monday edition of the show. 30 minutes left of today's show of On the Line. Dan, thanks for holding on line one. Welcome in. I appreciate it, guys. What you got for me? Yeah. You know, I think like there are some things that we should change a little bit, you know, some adjustments we should make. But, you know, when you're sitting there in a game and – you probably had eight shots that you were wide open and can't make it fall. You know, sometimes, I mean, look, you work your, your butt off just to get open shots. You get an open shot, you're almost thinking you're going to make it a wide open shot. You're going to make it half the time, you know. And, and, and it's like we just have had some guys that have been 
really cold. And, and look, you could probably say some of our guys are streaky. You know, obviously, KD, KD earlier in the year was, was really hitting it hard and was making tons of shots, and, then, and now he's having a hard time. You know, in, the, in the last game, if KD makes 2 of 14, which would have been a terrible day, you know what, we would probably win the game. But obviously he missed them all. And then, you know, Cambridge has been a streaky shooter, so whenever he's hitting them, you know, then, then Auburn is like really rolling, and then, then he can go on the stretches where he's just, you don't even know if he knows how to shoot. So it's just, you know, I, I don't know if that, that's as much coaching as it is, you know. Now, the coaching part to me is you have to find ways to get Jabari open looks because when Jabari is open, he knocks it down like 90% of the time when he's open. So I like when we drive in and we don't necessarily, like, we'll let the clock run down and then we'll, we'll try to make a play. But I like it when we start earlier in the shot clock and, and if, if the guards drive on in, but they don't necessarily have to shoot, but just drive on through and, and get the defense to kind of like, you know, try to adjust. And then a lot of times someone will get freed up. And that's how Jabari's gotten some open looks recently. Um, but I, I just think we just need to be a little bit more aggressive earlier in the clock. You know, not necessarily shooting it, but just having more movement to where guys can get open. No, I, Dan, I agree. I think Auburn's offensive woes have have been – they've obviously been bad for a while now, and it doesn't seem like they've made any changes. And when it comes to shooting the basketball for this Auburn team, I mean, Texas A&M was daring them to shoot the ball. I mean, they packed five guys in the paint and were daring Auburn to shoot the ball. And Auburn did, and they're going to shoot. But I think it's it's either A, a confidence thing, that they're just not confident enough in their shot right now, or B – I mean, maybe some of these guys just can't shoot the way we thought they could on a consistent basis. So something's going to have to change if Auburn wants to be successful in the NCAA tournament. Dan, we appreciate the call, man. Thanks. That was Dan here on the line, and he brings up a lot of points, and it's it's legitimate points. You know, he's saying be more aggressive early in the shot clock and try to drive in a little bit to create better shots. But honestly, in the NCAA tournament, I mean, I don't understand why a team wouldn't just pack the paint and play against the front That's court. That's what A&M did. It's exactly what A&M did. Why would you not? Until, until Auburn proves that they can beat you by shooting the basketball, it's like the Duke era when they had Zion Williamson. That's how I said to beat – that's how you play defense against that Duke team. Run a 1-2-2, two, two, and you run it all on, on the paint. You have one guy on the free throw line, two guys on the high post, and two guys on the block, and dare them to shoot the basketball. Dude, I would. I would have a man on Jabari at all times, and other than that, dare this Auburn team to shoot the basketball because they've proven that they can't do it. Let's have our guest on for the day. We have Jacob Hillman of Auburn Sports Network of he is the sports director of Weagle 91.1 FM and the Auburn Jungle president. Jacob Hillman, welcome, man. Hey, thanks for having me on, as always, on Monday. Of course. Well, I want to ask you about your trip to Tampa. I know it was short-lived, but how was your trip and what was your take from Auburn losing in the SEC tournament to Texas A&M? Yeah, Tampa's a fun time, so um, I- I'm ready for it to be back in Nashville, though. That- that- that's what I'll say, and uh as, as far as basketball goes, yeah, it was an unfortunate uh, unfortunate game for Auburn. Didn't get anything going in the first half. I mean, shot under 20%. And Texas A&M didn't miss from three when Auburn gave them open shots. And Auburn gave them uh, enough open shots for it to make the difference. And, I, you know, I really look at it as Auburn got caught by Texas A&M at the wrong time. But also, Auburn did not perform well at all on Friday. So, it was kind of just a perfect storm for that. And... Really, my biggest takeaway was just was the guard play. Wendell Green had a great few minutes back in the second half to get Auburn into the game and make it a respectable score. But obviously, we know about Katie Johnson 
And, and I don't think Zet did necessarily bad or anything. He did his usual thing. But, you know, he turned the ball over once, and he also just – it was back to what we've been talking about, just the guard play. And so, Jacob Hillman, now that the bracket is officially out, thanks to the selection show yesterday, Auburn is as a two-seed in the Midwest portion of the bracket. They have a matchup against the 15-seeded Jacksonville State on Friday morning. What is your initial reaction to this matchup, and what do you think? What do you expect from Auburn's performance on Friday against Jacksonville State? Well, I really don't have any expectations. I expect Auburn to win this game, but I, I couldn't tell you if I think it's going to be by double digits or by a game-winning shot. I, I, I just think that this is a big, this is a matchup where obviously the in-state opponent is going to be motivated, and also they, they were the, they were the top team in their conference. They didn't win their conference championship, but obviously with Bellarmine not being uh, um, eligible for the NCAA tournament, they were the ones put in. I, I look at it as they're they're definitely motivated, even if it wasn't an in-state opponent. And I really think that this Auburn team, having a week off is, is a good thing. It's, it's not, I don't think it's actually a bad thing that Auburn lost to Texas A&M. You got a regular season championship, and now you got the week off to prepare, not for Jacksonville State, but yet Saturday to yet all day Friday really to rest. Yet Saturday to rest, and then I think they got back and they they might have hit practice on Sunday again. So, and if not, it started today. So, it, it's one of those things where, sure, it, it, it's unfortunate that Auburn performed badly in the SEC tournament, but maybe it's a blessing in disguise. Speaking with Jacob Hillman, Auburn Jungle President, looking at the bracket. Have you filled one out yet? Just curious. Uh, yes, I, I have one. At least one. one. There you go. All right, so when you look at Auburn's area in the Midwest, the bottom half of the Midwest bracket, bottom half of the Midwest region, who is a team outside of out of LSU, Iowa State, Wisconsin, Colgate, USC, Miami, and Jacksonville State? Who concerns you the most that could end Auburn's run be. by the Sweet 16? Yeah, it's got to be USC. USC, I think, is an opponent that can get it done. That you, they've, We've seen what they can do against teams like UCLA and Obviously, UCLA is a different team than Auburn, but I just think that, that this UCLA team has the bigs that can maybe not necessarily neutralize Walker and, and Jabari, but do enough where you have to rely on, on Wendell Green, Zepp Jasper, and Katie Johnson. And if they if they perform anything like they did against Texas A&M, then you might be in trouble. So USC is the one team that I'm really eyeing. But other than that, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I really like to draw Auburn Scott. I think that if Auburn gets past Sunday, whether that's against USC or Miami, they have a very good chance to make a deep run into the postseason. I just don't see any of the other teams in that bracket being, you know, too much of a danger for Auburn. I think that Auburn can handle each and every other team. So that, that, that's what I – that's kind of my, my viewpoint of uh, the draw Auburn got. Jacob, I want to ask you about the SEC as a whole in the tournament. They have six teams in the field. How do you feel that the SEC fared when it came to Selection Sunday getting six teams in? I think the SEC got robbed. I think that Tennessee should have been that two seed, uh, but obviously, you know, got to keep Coach K close to home. Uh, but uh, then I think Texas A&M should have gotten in too. And now, I don't think Texas A&M was a shoe, and I do think that some of those uh, bit steals that happened on Sunday kind of kind of screw them. But I don't know. I just I just I feel like that Texas A&M should have been in, and Tennessee should have been a seed higher. But it is what it is. That's part of it, and obviously. Conference tournaments might not be that big of a factor. I personally don't think Auburn would have been a one seed had they gone on and won the SEC tournament. I, I think that, that 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 possibly Auburn might have stuck with that number five overall spot no matter what happened in Tampa. 
So out of all the first-round games that are going to be happening on Thursday and Friday, Jacob Hillman, what is the one game outside of the Auburn game that you were looking forward to the most and why? Well, I have to look to those 12-5 matchups. I love 12-5 matchups, and I'm looking at UAB-Houston. Being from Birmingham, I really like what Andy Kennedy is building with the Blazers, and I also really like what Jelly Walker brings to the table. He's a fun player to watch, so Friday night, that's what I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be watching that UAB-Houston game, and and hopefully that can be a 12 seed. I'm pulling for my Birmingham hometown team. I know you were out of town for a little bit. I hope you were able to catch some baseball games this past weekend. What did you think of Auburn's last test before they get to conference play this upcoming weekend against Ole Miss? What did you think about Auburn dropping two out of three to MTSU? Yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't get to watch a ton of it, but I, I followed along and and really, man, the pitching staff, is, it, it was unfortunate because you had two injuries as well happen on the weekend. But you also have to look at the fact that you used too many pitchers in that first game on Sunday, and I think it really cost you in the rubber match. So I, I really, really hope that the pitching staff figures it out because they looked good early on in the year. Uh, there were some historic numbers being put up, and then things haven't been as great since then. So. Uh, you're, you're hosting the number one team in the country. That That's going to be such a difficult task. And it's Thursday through Saturday series, so you don't even have a full week to prepare for them. Uh, after Tuesday's game against uh, Kennesaw State, I, I, I'm happy with the bats. It's a good thing Sonny share is back in the lineup. I don't know if he'll be DHing or he'll be back at first base by the time Auburn's hosting Ole Miss, but it's really it, – it, I'm happy with the bats. The pitching has got to come along. So, Jacob, does Auburn, obviously it's a tough task, as you said, the number one team in Ole Miss coming to town to the Plains this weekend. Does Auburn have a chance in any of those games? Of course, you would like to see them pick up at least a win, whether it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whatever. Does Auburn have a chance to pick up a win this weekend against Ole Miss? Yeah, I, I think so. Now, what you need to see is quality starts. Trace Bright pitched really well on, on, on Sunday in game two, and he had to. He gave up three runs, but it, it, it was a game where he went deep 80-something pitches. He might have gotten up to 90. He was a career high in pitches. So it was good to see him go out there and deliver for, uh, I guess it was six-plus six innings. And I think that that's a big deal is having your pitchers that can go a long way. Like Carson Skipper, Tommy Sheehan, they're still recovering from uh, from their injuries uh, this past year, and they're just not ready to go uh, full speed yet or really the full distance. Now, with that being said, I think you just need one big performance from one of your pitchers, whether it's Armstrong, Gonzalez, or, or Bright. Uh, that, that seems to be the three that, that the, the staff likes to go to. And I think that the bats can come through and, and get, get a big win. Now, if you grab one, you're happy with that. that you, you're absolutely happy with that this weekend. And so let's transition into one more topic before we let you get out of here. Speaking with Jacob Hillman of the Auburn Sports Network, the sports director for Wego 91.1 FM and the AU Jungle president. Auburn softball, 24-1 and on the season. They get the sweep of Texas A&M to open up conference play. What are you seeing from the Auburn softball team over at J.B. Moore Field? They're on a roll so far. Yeah, and this is another case where I really like what the bats are doing. The pitching is fine over uh, for softball, and you know there's there's just some things that that's going on. Uh, Shelby Lowe, she's able to continue to do her thing. Maddie Pence is dominant, and what I really like is that KK Dismukes uh, yesterday in game two was able to come in. She gave up a grand slam, but that was one swing at the bat. Obviously, they she gave up some uh, base runners, but I think that you eliminate those mistakes on that third pitcher, 
and you're in a good spot where you've got a great one, two, three rotation throughout the weekend where SEC play isn't as daunting as it, as it has been in recent years. Obviously, we know what we're getting from Shelby and Maddie, but it's a matter of that third pitcher and, and how that's going to work. And uh, as far as far as we're looking ahead, I think if you, if you go into this weekend and you get a series win at least, you're looking really good going ahead because then you really start to face the test. I think you go to Kentucky and then you host Florida. Hosting Florida is going to be a series where you almost – it's kind of like what Auburn baseball is. You just hope to get one. Florida's a great team this year, as they always are. Tim Walton's built an amazing program down in Gainesville. So I, I'm really looking forward to down the road when Auburn's playing some of the top-tier teams in the SEC. Jacob, we appreciate your time today. Let everybody know where they can keep up with you and the jungle as Auburn will be going through the NCAA tournament. Yeah, yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU, and obviously follow uh, the Jungle on Instagram and Twitter at AU Jungle. A lot of great content coming out this week as uh, Auburn travels to Greenville for the NCAA tournament. Jacob, we appreciate your time, man. Thanks so much. Have a good week and have safe travels to Greenville. Yeah, thanks for having me on. As always, War Eagle. Yep, War Eagle to you, Jacob. Let's take a break and we'll wrap up the Monday edition of On the Line. Welcome back into On the Line here on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Jacob Goins and Noah Gardner with you today on the Monday edition of the show. Just a few more minutes before we get out of here. The drive will be next at 4 o'clock with Bill Cameron and Dan Peck. So make sure you stick around for the drive here on Monday on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central, Alabama. If you've missed any of our show, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. Immediately following the show, we'll have it uploaded wherever you get your podcast. So make sure you go and find that. Noah, we're shaking our heads because our intern Trevor just showed us his signature on the whiteboard, and it was literally a <laughs> Got scribble. Doodle Bob next to us. <laughs> it was a scribble, man. That was. <laughs> <laughs> so the younger audience will will know that reference. <laughs> yeah, the younger audience for sure. But but anyway, we've been talking about you oh, know. No, here it comes with a giant pencil. <laughs> oh god, and a giant eraser. God. Oh man, if yeah, if you didn't grow up watching SpongeBob, then you have no idea what we're talking about. There but, goes my arm. <laughs> <laughs> oh man we're going off the rails here with a few minutes to go we just had jacob hillman on of he's the au jungle president and of auburn sports network and wigo's 91.1 fm sports director he was talking to us about auburn's potential matchups in the ncaa tournament and like you said he is worried about usc in the round of 32 for auburn if they beat jacksonville state he's been to an elite eight and a sweet 16 man at two different locations the guy knows how to win he does yeah. he's had a lot of 21 seasons at usc Pac-12 teams, man, they're dangerous in tournament time. I don't know what it is. What, it's what like about, they all of a sudden evolve. Like This is where all of their positive postseason mojo goes toward. It's the NCAA tournament, and that's it. Literally, <laughs> I'm telling you. But let me ask you about this team. Of course, our friend of the show, Christian Clemente, his Montana State, they're in, and they are playing Texas Tech. Do they have any chance? Don't win a game. Yeah, I agree. Don't win I just, a game. I was, I was at least going to give him a shout-out. You know, Christian, if you're listening, there you are, man. That's all I got for you. I don't think they win either. No offense. I think Texas Tech is going to make it to the Final Four, ladies and gentlemen. I have Texas Tech right now. I may change, but as of right now, I have Texas Tech going to the Final Four. They're going to beat Gonzaga in the Elite Eight to make it to the Final Four. That's just my early prediction on that. 
But Jacob Hillman was also talking about the 12-5 matchup of UAB and Houston. Houston being the 5, UAB being the 12. America loves UAB over Houston already. That is definitely the popular pick of the 12-5 upset because more times than not, at least one of those 12-5s is an upset every year, possibly even more. And the UAB pick is the by far the most popular pick right now. What's your opinion? Does UAB have a chance, and do they win this basketball game? It just seems a little too good to be true, doesn't and, it? And normally when it is, it is. When it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true. And I, I agree. America is going to pit UAB. And what's the rule on this show? Fade the public. Always go against the public. I haven't made my official pick on that one yet, but, you know, it's definitely the popular pick, UAB over Houston. I'm not sure about it yet. But as Jacob was saying, the 12-5 matchups are always some of the most exciting matchups. There are the 12-5s, the 11-6, those types of matchups where you have Alabama as a sixth seed who will play either Rutgers or Notre Dame playing out of the first four. That could be, I mean, that could be a, a, a matchup to where Alabama doesn't even win a tournament game. Oh, I think Notre Dame's going to the round of 32. They'll lose to you Texas like Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's going to beat Rutgers. I think there's just a little bit too much offense there for Notre Dame. They don't know how to score. Their issue is on the defensive side of the basketball. And then they're going to play Alabama, whose issue is also on the defensive side of the basketball. But the problem is Alabama's not shooting the basketball well. I see Notre Dame as a much, much better Vanderbilt. Like uh, a Vanderbilt that made it to the NCAA tournament. Really? Yeah, they shoot the three ball really well. They shoot the ball, the the three at like a 37% clip. Really, it's it's 37.7, so it's almost 30. It's a 38% clip if you round up, right? That's impressive. They shoot the three well. What does Alabama not do? defend the three well and exactly that's exactly why we made the pick that we did against Vanderbilt and I mean Scotty Pippen did a lot to will it to that point but Alabama's defense is what's going to kill him I think against a Notre Dame um and if they're not now granted Notre Dame doesn't defend the ball doesn't defend very well and Alabama's guards could get going and that could be the exact matchup that Alabama needs to advance on and play Texas Tech where they will ultimately be ground to ground to a loss by that defense right I just it, it just depends on which team. It's going to be a shooting, a three-point shooting contest between Alabama and Notre Dame, and I like Notre Dame to shoot the three a lot better considering they shoot 8% better from three than Alabama does. And I think that's what it's going to come down to, a three-point shooting contest that Notre Dame's going to win. Well, I mean, if you're picking anybody to beat Alabama in a three-point contest, you're probably going to win, especially this season, because Alabama's definitely going to shoot more of them, but they're not going to make more. I mean, they we've seen this team, especially the last month or two, I mean, they just can't shoot. They flat out cannot shoot the ball, but yet they, they hey, they're going to try. They're, they're going to try and shoot and try to make some shots. But I want to run through the first four real quick. That happens in Dayton, Ohio, a little Ohio shout-out. And, um, of, course, of course, the first four, you have two games Tuesday and two games on Wednesday play-in games to get into the NCAA tournament. This one obviously is not as as sexy, as good-looking, but Texas Southern and Texas A&M um, – CC, I'm not, I honestly don't even know. Texas what that, A&M, Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi. Okay, cool. That they are the 68th team in the tournament. If you look at it like ranked one to 68, Texas A&M, Corpus Christi is the worst team in the field. I, I don't know. I would guess take Texas Southern in that game just because these I, are a push, I mean, man. They, those you just are a never push. know how the first four is going to go. But but when you look at Wyoming and Indiana, the 12 seed matchup, I think that's a fantastic game. I like the Hoosiers to win that one. I think Indiana's playing really well right now, but I actually uh, I got Wyoming winning over Indiana. I think Indiana's they've played really well down the stretch to get where they're at, but that could the the 
tournament run that we saw that could have just cooled off now. You never know when Indiana, you're going to get all the offensive side of the basketball. And I think Wyoming's a little bit too efficient on that side. I think Wyoming's going to end up playing their way in. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, I mean, like they, Indiana. They've won in that 25 game. games, you know? I mean, yeah. it, and Indiana's, a lot of their issues are self inflicted too, but it's the offense that bothers me for Indiana that you just, I think it's just going to disappear. Interesting. I like Indiana in that matchup, but we'll see. I like this matchup. Wright State, right there from Dayton. They play, that school is in Dayton. I have school, I have friends that went to school at Wright State. I, I grew up watching Wright State play the basketball. The Raiders. The Raiders, yeah, there see, you go. I know stuff. Yeah, the Wright I State Raiders stuff. against Bryant. I like, I don't know. The that's Bulldogs. a fun matchup. Wow, okay. Look I at know you. stuff. Look at you. Who you like in that game? That's definitely a better looking Bryant, game than the other one. Bryant gets buckets. They've got, that. They they score the basketball. I'm, yeah. going, I'm going Brian. I like Brian. I like Brian in that matchup too. And then the the other the 11 seed matchup. You already have your pick, Rutgers and Notre Dame. You like Notre Dame not only to win this game but to go and beat Alabama in the next round. Rutgers has cooled off significantly. Notre Dame, you know, I know that they didn't play well in the ACC tournament either, but tournament time is about getting buckets, and Notre Dame gets buckets, not Rutgers. Yeah, I like Notre Dame. I like Notre Dame to beat Rutgers in the first four. And that's going to do it for the Monday edition of On the Line. We appreciate everybody tuning in. If you missed any of the show, just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. It'll be uploaded immediately following. We'll talk to you tomorrow. See you.